welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. I'm Maddie. And I am Shannon, your wonderful co-host. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Maddie. How are you? Happy Monday. It's Mondays we're recording. Um, I'm good. We were going to record for the podcast listeners. We are going to record on Friday. Well, kind of. Stuart sure, like sync up on Fridays, but I was really cranky. So <laughs> <laughs> honestly, we could have. We could. Oh, we could have. That would have been good. I would have been really negative, but um, <laughs> I was cranky for like no reason too. You know what I mean? When you're just like in the mood. Yes, it happens. Um, so I'm feeling better today. So thank you for allowing us to do it today. Of course, of course. And now I'm exhausted. I'm not cranky. <laughs> You're exhausted from a good, positive um, weekend, though. Did you want to share what you did, all your wellness activities? Yeah, it's just so funny. Who knew that you could also burn out on wellness activities? Right. And I just had, like, (laughs) a lovely San Diego weekend. Friday night, I went to, like, a breathwork class, a yoga class. And then Saturday morning, I went for a long walk on Sunset Cliffs. And I got some, like, inspiration, did some writing, then I worked with a friend in the cafe down the street in the afternoon, and then I did a breathwork class at night and went out to dinner with a different friend, and then Sunday I did puppy yoga, oh, the best. Was um, it the best thing ever? That sounds like heaven. Yeah, it's great. Amazing. And then I did brunch with a friend after that, and then I had a breathwork training that I'm doing in the afternoon and then I went to a full moon party and this morning I was like wow sweetie you're tired <laughs> turn I out. mean that's so yeah. fun like what an amazing weekend yeah it was um, blissful one might say that sounds like incredible like my ideal how is it now a week out week two weeks out from being let go because last time we talked on the pod it was like that morning so how are you doing yeah give everyone an update right I mean, it's definitely in my nature to stay busy instead of feeling things, which like, as we talked on the weekend, that's definitely part of it. Although it's different because like, even through breath work, like that's processing things. That's so much of why. I was just going to say like, yeah, you're busy, but you're dealing, it's activities to do. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, And that's so much of why I like breath work because it's not in my nature or in my upbringing, I would say too, to like feel things and like go out of your way to like process and like breath work is like fun. And also it's this great way to like physically feel your feelings and like get a sense of what's going on in your body. So, um, yeah, yeah, so I'm okay. I mean, it's just, you know, in the grand scheme of my life, I know that this is going to be this wonderful gift. I now have like so much time to figure out what's next and I'm trying to be intentional Mm -hmm. about being where I am and processing the last seven years and you know, the good, the bad, the ugly um, in order to be intentional about like what I want to do while also just like doing stuff now and here. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was also like really traumatic the way it went down. Like the, the way that it was just like one day you're working here and the next day you're not like feels a lot like when I was diagnosed with cancer. So yeah. Like the rug ripped out from under you once again. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, it's also just bringing up a lot of loss because it is a huge loss. And like my, mm-hmm. some of my like unprocessed childhood shit is like loss. So it's mm. just like very, um, yeah, it's just a lot. So it continues to be a lot, but yeah. all considered I'm doing well. It's just like, what, what is life? <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're doing all the things it sounds like to like help yeah. with right. it. And yeah. now you have time and it sounds like you're spending time to like, thinking about what's next, what you like really want to do, what brings you like joy and happiness. So Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Yeah. yeah. And I'm so grateful for knowing what that is as a whole, when it comes to breath work, when it comes to supporting this community and being involved in this community, when it comes to, um, you know, that part of my self. And I think Mm -hmm. the interesting part, because I'm like a firm believer I feel like we've probably talked about this on the podcast um, is like everyone has a purpose in some way, shape and form, not, yeah. you know, and, and I don't think it's something that's as specific as like you are, your purpose here is to do this, solve this, fix this. Right. Right. No, I think it's like your purpose comes from like who you are, your story, your experiences mm-hmm. and how your different like skills and things throughout your life kind of play into that. And mm-hmm. I always 
because my job was always something that I kept kind of separate from my passion projects. That's so much of like Mm -hmm. the processing I'm trying to do now is like pulling out the different parts of that experience, my skills, my interests, my relationship to my recruiting work. Like how does that tie into all of these other things? So I kind of kept them separate in my brain. So now it's like merging them together. So yeah, that's interesting actually. Like thinking about how, cause yeah, like even in my digital marketing job too, it's like I use very different skills than I do in my, like health coaching world. And so, yeah, that is, that is interesting. Cause there's, I mean, in the corporate world, like we do learn very valuable skills and um, now if you're building your own business, it's important to Mm -hmm. bring those in. So I think I like that. I have a question before cancer. Did you have, cause I feel like you feel like purposeful or like you have a passion, Mm -hmm. like before cancer, Mm -hmm. did you feel that way or did you have, a passion of any sort? Absolutely. Yeah, me either. I ask because absolutely not me either. Yeah. I mean, my, my passion, for lack of a better, I mean, it wasn't a passion, but my purpose and my, I woke up every day to work. Like it was, yeah. my job. Right. And it was mm-hmm. you know, being good at my job. I used to joke around, but not actually joke around that like, because I work in recruiting. So when someone wouldn't accept my job, I would be so bummed. And it's like, does it make a big deal in like the grand scheme of like my career? No. But like when I based my worth on being good at my job and yeah. feel good at it, it hits. So like that, yeah. I feel for people because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are impacted by all of these tech layoffs that are like in that place yeah. and all of a sudden like, oh my God, who am I? What am I? Um, right. So I think that like, I'm grateful. And that's where I kind of said before, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity mm-hmm. to discover all of these things and really work to understand my passion and like, you know, build my worth on myself and not anything Mm -hmm. external. Um, but yeah, but it's definitely like a weird, a weird thing to now have the opportunity to be able to zoom out and be like, all right, that was my work and it was my career. And I had that unhealthy relationship with it. Now that Mm -hmm. that component of it in a big way is gone and I have this time and space, how do I want to integrate it moving forward? So yeah, it's just yeah. kicking around in my brain. I love that. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. And I feel like I've seen this from so many clients and just people that we mm-hmm. talk to and like, but with the cancer community, like I feel like cancer has given us this like superpower of mm-hmm. like not needing as much external validation. Yeah. Like I yeah. used to, like you, like was just, work, you know, like, I don't know, like any positive like feelings or validation, I feel like was very external rather than internal. Yeah. Yeah, it was like working, partying. <laughs> That's all I did. It literally, like working five days a week, partying three of those days, and then mm-hmm. like being hungover and miserable Monday, Tuesday, and then doing it all over again starting Wednesday. Right. Like literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like I so. started to go back to that a little bit. Not even go back to it, but even just went back to New York and the environment that I used to do that right. in. Was like, oh, yeah. no, this isn't going to work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. And I think that so much of my passion in general is like connecting people with with that this superpower that cancer gives us is like yeah. it shouldn't take cancer is how I feel about totally. it but like um and I think even like for people that do go through treatment like how do you come out the other side of it and really identify like what's your passion like what's important yeah and it doesn't yeah. need to be these like businesses that we've built and these like hobbies no. it really be these are my values and these are how I want to show up every day yeah and like what like fills you up like I really didn't know like truly like what makes you feel happy and good by yourself I think that was a big thing that I learned um and I'm still learning honestly so Mm -hmm. yeah um okay well I'm excited for you and to see what happens Mm -hmm. and there's lots of you're putting yourself out there I feel like there's lots of opportunities coming yeah planting a lot of seeds planting a lot of seeds yeah Mm -hmm. I love it how are you how's your weekend um, I'm doing good. Yeah, the weekend was busy, but it was really fun. Um, I'm working on just like for business stuff, we're having our for optimized health. Um, and for those listening that might not know, I work with cancer survivors after treatment, and then also more general health coaching with optimized health coaching. Um, and we're planning our retreat, our first retreat that we're hosting. And we're doing that in we're hosting at end of March. Um, 
anyone's interested, I think there's two more spots. So you can mm-hmm. always DM me. But I'm really excited for that. It's up in Petaluma, like Northern California, um, end of March. So we're getting ready for that. Um, we're just, yeah, we have tons of things like kind of going on. Um, I'm also finishing this week, like, uh, my hormone health course. I feel like mm-hmm. I've talked a little bit about that on the pod, but yeah. it's so freaking interesting. Like I can't wait to share all that I've learned. Um, it's like crazy that we don't learn this in school. I'll just never get over it. But, um, so we're starting a group coaching program for that in, um, April. That's going to be amazing. So, we'll announce that. Yeah. So we'll announce that. I'll announce that on my own, um, Instagram too, but we're announcing that like in start of March. So we're just kind of, or I'm working out like the outline and like all that stuff for the content. But I think it's gonna be like similar to the cancer group. It's gonna be like an eight week program limited Mm -hmm. to a certain amount of people and all that good stuff. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and yeah. And then I'm doing, did I tell you I'm doing like a long road trip? No. Have I not? Oh my God. So, Will and I are moving in together. Oh. Oh, we didn't. Okay. Yeah. So, big news. <laughs> oh my gosh. So exciting. I know. Very exciting. So, we're moving in together. But before we move in, like, officially, we're going to do a long road trip. Um, hmm. through, That's a great way like, to try it out. <laughs> oh my God. Like, we might kill each other. But um, won't. we'll see what happens. <laughs> you won't. A true test. Um, it's gonna be for a while, but we're gonna be like nomads for a little bit. Um, but we're doing, yeah, I'm super excited. So we're going to do like Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Yellowstone. Um, we started watching Yellowstone and it like truly sparked this. Um, and my entire like TikTok for you page now is just like all Pacific Northwest trips, like all Bend, Oregon. Um, so if any of you have tips, Shannon, I don't know if you've been to any of those places, but no, I have nothing, but that's going to be amazing. And so I'm healing. so excited. Yeah. And just I'm like to be out in craving nature. nature. So. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I'm like craving nature. So yeah, we're going to be like kind of nomads for like a couple months. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And just like working. I mean, we already work remote, so doing everything still remote. Um, yeah. And so yeah, lots to look forward to. Lots coming up. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah, so See, the, year, the year is coming up. It's we are, coming. 2023 is going to be great. It is going to be great. Yes. It already has its, you know, already had its, um, its positives for sure. Totally. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's my big update. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but, um, no, I think that's it. Like, I'm, you know, I've never lived with a boy, so um, that will be interesting. It'll be fun. It'll be so fun. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be so fun. Like, we're already, we're, like, annoyed that we have to, like, drive to each other's houses now right. basically every day. So we're right. just, like, let's just, like, it makes it easier. Yeah. And we'll figure it out one way or another, like, right. <laughs> quickly, it, you know, so. It feels like you're playing um, house at first, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I think that'll be, it'll be fun. So. Yay. That's Such exciting that. Yeah, exciting things. Um, should we talk about a few of our sponsors before we get into this week's episode? Yeah, absolutely. I always love talking about bad jeans, the yes. literal best clothes ever. My Literally. bad jeans sweatshirt has turned into my beach sweatshirt because it's just love like it. so thick and so cozy. It's so cozy. So I'll like go out, meditate, jump in the ocean, and throw back on Amazing. my bad jeans sweatshirt. And again, it just continues to blow my mind that the we need to actually think about the what material is in our clothes and Exotech mm-hmm. bad jeans is all um, toxin free and they give fifty percent of their proceeds back. I mean, it just never never gets old. Um, Incredible. So badjeans.co and you can use the code cancer sucks. Yay! Amazing. And I will talk about BTR Nation. So btrnation.com um, is incredible. And we're going to have her on in the next couple weeks, I think. She might be so, our next episode. Yeah, she's our um, next episode. After this one, after the Onk Dogs. But super excited for you all to hear her story. Her parents um, both had cancer and she realized from being in the hospital all the time that there was like no healthy snacks for anyone visiting people in the hospital or 
hospital patients. And so she created her own and BTR Nation, um, they use all clean ingredients, really yummy stuff. And you can use um, the code cancer sucks 20 for percentage off at btrnation.com. And then finally, I want to talk about um, Do Cancer. So docancer.org is a nonprofit organization that connects cancer patients, cancer survivors with holistic health services and practitioners. Um, so I'm currently running a group health coaching program with all Do Cancer Um participants, if you will, or individuals, they referred me and it's all free. So like everything you do through do cancer is free. It's a nonprofit and they pay for all the services. So if you need therapy, Shannon's even talking to them for breath work. Like Mm -hmm. if you need any of these holistic, um, services, they provide them for you. If you're interested in health coaching, I'm on there. So, and they also have like tons of just resources and um, stories from other survivors and all that stuff. So go to docancer.org to check all of that out. Um, and then finally, today's episode, we have the Onk Docs. We're super excited. In this episode, we connected with them. Honestly, I want to say like this time last year. And it was just one of those things. And I remember yeah, one of the first totally. things we talked about on mm-hmm. our very first episode was like, Oh, I'd love to have doctors on because like, yeah. that's just such a different side that we don't hear about. And it literally took, yes. just took a while just because life came up and we didn't end up scheduling. And it was just like, when we did, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Such it was episode. so amazing. Yeah. yeah. Such a good episode. It was so cool to hear from oncology doctors and like something that really stuck out to me was like how much both of them really see their patients as like humans because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us and a lot of the times when we talk to people on this pod like I think we can feel sometimes like we're just kind of in this like rotation like next 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 our doctors don't really see us Mm -hmm. and I mean they're amazing doctors Dr. Oni and Flolu um they're incredible of course but they really like talk about how you can just tell they like really care about their patients and I think a big thing too is that they talk, we talk about anxiety and like how they like kind of understand it. Whereas a lot of times I feel like even my own doctors like don't really, you know? Um, yeah. So it was just amazing to like talk with them about all of our, as patients, like our side of things and hearing from their side of things as well. And it's just so great too, that they're, you know, doctor, they are doctors, they do research and they also have a podcast because mm-hmm. they're just like so yeah. passionate about this community. Like, right. It's very, we have a couple, you know, we have a couple of guests coming up these days that are like not necessarily directly cancer survivors, um, mm-hmm. but they're so involved that it's like really nice. And like we have, we have that support. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So enjoy the conversation with the Onk Docs. You can follow them on Instagram at the Onk Docs and their website is theonkdocs.com, the T-H-E-O-N-C-D-O-C-S.com. And enjoy. Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Hello, Oni and Folu. Did I say that right? Yes. Hi. Yay. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. We're excited to be with you. This is great. Thank you for inviting us. Of course. You all went to a lot of school, too, so I can't help but want to say Dr. Oni and Dr. Folu. I mean, seriously, <laughs> we were just looking at your bios. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I like to qualify. Like, I'm not a masochist. Foley, like, did his MD, PhD, which adds on oh four extra years. Wow. So I looked at it and I was like, uh, no, thanks. So he, he's been through the, the fire, so to speak. I was I was just delaying that adulting. It's like, oh, let's yeah. stay in school for as long as possible. Maybe I'll push this till I hit retirement. I get that. I get that. I had a friend uh, that's a dentist that started working like, you know, seven years after all of us. And she was like, wow, like this is this is what you all have been doing. We were like, yeah, welcome. She was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I was like, well, you just went to a lot of school, so you should probably do that. <laughs> you might have to. Yeah. So, I mean, we have you both here today as the Onk Docs. Would love to hear a little bit more just about each of your backgrounds um, from a career standpoint and kind of what brought you to the Onk Docs and how you got started there. 
Thank you. So I'm uh, Oni Belagoon. I'm a radiation oncologist by training, um, and I focus on women's health. So I take care of individuals who have breast and gynecologic cancers. Part uh, As part of my research, I I call myself a global oncologist, meaning that I focus on cancer disparities both domestically and globally. And the reason I do so is because I would say my career story begins in Nigeria, where we were both born um, at the age of 13. I went back. I moved to from Nigeria to the United States when I was seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And when I went back during a Christmas holiday, I saw my aunt, Miranda, who was going through uh, breast cancer treatment at the time. Um, um, She just seemed like she was going through a lot. And the changes I saw in her body really made me say, I need to do something about cancer. And Mm. every time I asked myself, do I really want to become an oncologist in college, in medical school, the answer was yes. So that's, that's how I chose this path or this path chose me. (laughs) Yeah. And is that part of what drove you into the specialty that you're in today? Absolutely. I, I, I had a vendetta against cancer for a Mm -hmm. very long time. I think Mm -hmm. whenever you have a loved one who uh, dies of cancer, Mm It's, it's natural. It's understandable, especially when you are young, like I was, to be really angry and you're just like, this thing sucks, as you guys say. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely does. Exactly. And, and I'm going to do something and, and we're mm. going to fight this thing. But in actually reflecting on it over the years, I'm, I have less of a vendetta and mm. more of seeing it as a calling um, to try and do what I can for the individuals that I take care of. And, and they're mm-hmm. just phenomenal people. And it's really a privilege um, to have found meaning, you know, mm-hmm. so less, less mm-hmm. anger. Uh, sometimes there's still anger when, you know, yeah. things go really poorly for people. I mm-hmm. care a lot about who, which is everyone I take care of, but more so feeling that it's a calling and it's a privilege to do what, you know, we get to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and having that experience being on the other side or at least like impacted by someone on the other side, yeah. I imagine, does a lot for yeah. putting yourself in their shoes and just being able to care from a bedside mm-hmm. manner and all of all of the above. Yeah. As Oni said, I was also born in Nigeria. I stayed mm-hmm. a little longer before I came here. Came here and started college in um, at Baltimore, University of Maryland, mm-hmm. Baltimore County. I like to say that... Uh, when I came to the United States, my cities grew over time. So I went from Baltimore to Chicago and mm-hmm. then New York. And I guess at this point, there's nowhere else to go. So this is me. <laughs> but um, initially, I didn't want to do medicine. I actually wanted to be an architect. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I almost rebelled against medicine because everyone thought, oh, you have to be a doctor since your father is a general practitioner mm. as a doctor. I was like, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do. But the draw, the appeal to just even the biology, the human body mm-hmm. was too hard for me to resist. I just really um, was into it. Um, so I knew I wanted to, eventually I accepted that I wanted to study medicine. And I, how I got into oncology was not, was not planned. I like the relationship aspect mm-hmm. of medicine. So the outpatient clinic where you see someone and you see them over time. But mm-hmm. I also knew I wanted to be a specialist because I wanted to do research. I grew to love research. Mm-hmm. And um, oncology actually happened to be the one field that, one of the fields that really provided that opportunity as a medical oncologist. I guess I should have started saying what I am, what I do. Uh, so I'll step back a bit. I am a medical oncologist. So the way I describe mm-hmm. that is I'm the one that gives people the medicine, like the chemotherapy and the drugs. Mm-hmm. And I focus on GI cancers, so cancers of the digestive tract especially colorectal and pancreatic biliary. So pancreas and um, biliary tract um, cancers in addition to colorectal. Mm-hmm. And um, research-wise, I'm also in that field. I focus on those diseases with an emphasis on 
underrepresented or minoritized patients and populations. Mm. So now back to the story of how I got to where I am. <laughs> um, so um, oncology, medical oncology actually was going to give me that opportunity to, being that it's a specialized um, field, I can really focus and do research on the smaller, uh, narrow field of subjects that I want to do, mm-hmm. but also the outpatient aspect of it, where I get to see people in clinic and follow them over time, would yeah. satisfy that. What one of the things that really drew me to medicine from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So um, eventually, after all the training, we're not going to count how many years. <laughs> yeah. I ended up in New York. Be the entirety and, um, of the episode going through each year. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> it will. And um, and uh, start, started practicing here in New York. It's been a few years now, a couple of years, and I'm. Uh, I feel like I, I definitely love what I do and enjoy it every day even more Uh, and um, really can't see myself doing anything else at this time that's amazing yeah what brought you to that specific type of cancer that specific like area in the body so (laughs) it comes back to almost the specialization aspect because what I actually was drawn to in oncology initially was pancreatic cancer Mm. and um there were a couple of reasons. Number one, it was just a terrible disease. And mm-hmm. I felt that, well, we should do, we need to do something about this. We need to do better. We need to figure it out more. And um, that was both a combination of the desire to help, mm-hmm. to make an impact, to try to have a positive impact. And also the understanding that this, there's so much that needs to be done. So there's a lot that we have to learn. Mm-hmm. So when you think of research-wise and what you have to learn, there's just so much. We haven't made a lot of progress in a while. Mm. That really drew me to pancreatic cancer, so pancreatic and pancreatic biliary. The other aspect of what I, one of the diseases I focus on, colorectal, was really tied more in how it's a very common cancer. It's one of the top two big cancers in the world, here in America Mm. and also in the world, both in terms of Incidents, people who get the disease and those who die from the disease. Mm. So if I'm going to make a difference in uh, making a difference, especially with the underrepresented or minority groups, mm-hmm. a cancer that's more widespread uh, that inflicts those populations would be something that would, um, would be somewhere that I can uh, actually make that difference as best as mm. I can. I want to thank you guys because... Folu can be an individual of few words, and I don't think he's ever given me like <laughs> that long explanation. So, ten years of marriage, in, I'm really now understanding why my husband <laughs> chose his specialty. So, thank you. I'm learning. <laughs> Bringing couples closer together. <laughs> oh, I love that. So cool. And I'm curious too, and I asked this question with Shannon before you guys hopped on, and I was embarrassed to ask, does every doctor like also do research or do you choose to also do research? So I think in a way, um, a lot of doctors participate in research. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we're talking about um, do do most doctors do research, we, we chose to incorporate research as part of our work because we work at institutions where a lot of people also do research. So um, we choose to participate in the development of, you know, trials, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's studying a new way to treat a disease, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, using a different technique. Like I, I, like I said, I'm a radiation oncologist. So I use, Mm -hmm. what I say is I use like high powered x-rays to try and destroy cancer. So Mm -hmm. You can, there's so many different forms of research. There's clinical research, which is basically, um, you know, studying patients. Um, and then there's, there's also like clinical research that involves giving a new drug and seeing what happens with that. So right. I'd say we, we ch- I chose because I wanted to be part of kind of pushing the frontier of medicine. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the, you can always do better. 
So mm-hmm. that's what drew me to to research. And there are just so many forms. There's trans things, something called translational research, meaning you're taking maybe basic science that someone does in a laboratory and now mm-hmm. bringing it to the clinic. Um, okay. So, yeah. A lot of doctors do strict clinical work and that way they will see a lot of patients and help a lot of people. And some doctors do maybe policy work, Mm -hmm. try to make changes in policy that would actually affect care. So maybe they see patients sometimes and then they see, they're trying to do the policy that would make insurance accept more people and some Mm -hmm. do more outreach. It's, um, so it varies in terms of what, what we would all do. Got it. If we had anything additional to clinical. Okay. Research being one of just makes one sense. of those bags. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah, I was curious because I do. I feel like a lot of doctors, especially I think in the oncology world, talk about doing research. So I was curious if like, yeah. Yeah, and that. I'm curious too from a research standpoint around funding and how that can work because you know mm. Maddie and I both had lymphoma. Um, very, and I sometimes, which no one's lucky to get cancer, but like, I think sometimes that it's a very common cancer. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of, um, treatment. There's like, it's very, very well known from that standpoint because it is so common. Um, we've had a lot of guests on recently that have different types of breast cancer. So learning a lot more about that community. And I think there's a lot of focus there, especially with, you know, just coming out of October and how much at least, um, I shouldn't say that that's all equating and funding research necessarily, but I think there is a lot more awareness around breast cancer. But I'm curious how the funding piece works and then specifically with pancreatic, colorectal, like, is there a lot of mm. um, focus on that research or do you find yourself kind of fighting an uphill battle sometimes to get to do the research you want to do? So I think, you know, in terms of funding, um, there's so many different ways to go about it. One common one is Mm -hmm. grants, right? There might be a private foundation that someone set up um, in honor of someone else or just a group of people that came together and um, decided to put money together towards research. So one is Mm -hmm. grants. You can apply for them. Many of my colleagues will say it's just a pain. Mm -hmm. It can be painful to be searching for money to study what Mm -hmm. you want to study. But um, so there, there are grants. There's also, um, fortunately, philanthropy. I'm very fortunate that I have someone I took care of and they saw the importance of the research that I do. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, they were interested in the global work that I do, which is trying to improve cancer care uh in other mm-hmm. countries, uh, basically low and middle income countries. Because again, mm-hmm. That experience with my aunt in Nigeria made me see these things or systems are not all mm-hmm. the same. Um, right. I think that's what it implanted mm-hmm. in my mind. And I decided to actually, after college, go and spend a year in Nigeria. And mm-hmm. that experience drove home that there are inequities. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when I, I would go out for a run, I run very slowly. I don't know what possessed me, but I would you know, try and get out in the morning and go for a run first thing in the morning. And patients knew this in Nigeria and they Mm -hmm. would say, please write my name on this list Mm -hmm. of people who are supposed to get radiation because first come Mm -hmm. first serve. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, through, as the day goes on, the machine may get shut down because of electricity, because, you know, there are very few workers and someone feels overworked and it's just like, you know, I'm done Mm -hmm. for the day. So the higher Mm -hmm. you are in the list, the more likely you are to get radiation. And usually curative radiation is something you're supposed to get um, once Mm -hmm. a day, each week, Mm -hmm. or once a day, Mm -hmm. you know, daily. Right. So people will be fortunate if they got it two or three times, you know, during the week um, for something that you're supposed to get consistently. Mm -hmm. So that Fortunately, things have improved. I've, I've, I feel really fortunate to have been able to see like things are improving in terms of mm. cancer care in Nigeria and other countries that I work with. Um, but uh, someone who that that's not something that easily gets mm-hmm. funded. Um, so to have a philanthropic donor who, you know, 
supports that research is key. And and to your point about, yeah, there are some cancers that are just, we say, mm-hmm. sexy, right? Mm-hmm. Breast cancer, the Susan Coleman Foundation, so many people at BCRF, they've done a great deal of work. There's always more money that's needed. Um, mm-hmm. But there are some cancers um, like endometrial cancer. That's something I study. Yeah. And it is one of the worst cancer health disparities mm-hmm. that exists. Mm-hmm. You know, a white woman in the United States has a five-year survival of 86%. A black woman in the United States has a five-year survival of 62%. Mm-hmm. Why should wow. that be? You right. know, why should it 24% difference? That's crazy. Yeah. But um, endometrial cancer just doesn't get funded on the level that that I and many of my colleagues who are in this work think it should. Um, mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right that there are differences, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, historically, a lot of the funding came from the NIH, um, but over time, it's been less money from the NIH, which was uh, it was good because it, the goal was really to improve the broad base of knowledge and to overall help um, the NCI, the National Cancer Institute, to help us understand cancer better and come up with better drugs. Now, a lot more of the funding comes from um, charitable organizations or mm. farmer pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies um, and like when we said in terms of just people who give gifts or yeah. in some cases people who maybe through an experience or a family member's experience or a friend's experience mm-hmm. essentially they come up with a foundation that raises money for specific mm-hmm. answers I think that's where most of the funding comes from mm-hmm. these days mm. yeah and I think one other thing we struggle with is Folu and I are fairly young when it comes to um, our careers, and the NIH has talked about this. It can be so difficult because someone who's more senior, more established, they have this powerhouse of a lab, and you might be competing against Mm -hmm. them for grants, you know, and you know, younger investigators, it's been shown, tend to have, they're willing to Mm -hmm. take risks, you know, Um, but then is your risk taking rewarded? Uh, I think they're trying to address that, but those are also some of the obstacles when it comes to cancer mm-hmm. funding. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is the NIH exactly? National Institute of Health. So the NIH is the umbrella institution, governmental institution in the U.S. that oversees all health. So the NCI is the National Cancer Institute. It's um, an arm, a branch of the NCI of, uh, oh. of the um, NIH and. We all heard about uh, all the news from essentially NIH sub-umbrellas about COVID, Dr. Fauci leading the uh, National Institute, the arm of NIH that focuses on infectious diseases. So NIH mm. is that governmental institution that oversees all health in the U.S. essentially. I was going to say, that was like rattling right. something in my brain, but since it was COVID associated, my, my brain yeah, was I'm probably like, asked. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> So yes, yes, it had its it had its a uh, heyday during COVID. But that's, We're yeah, blocking exactly. it out. <laughs> I can like picture the right. logo, in my brain, and I'm like, but... I know that's something. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. So, what prompted you both to start OnCDocs? Yeah, so we wanted to start the OnCDocs. Um, I think. We, Folu and I, I'm I'm the dreamer, right? <laughs> I'm always like pitching ideas to Folu, like Folu, I think you know we should like go out and buy a stallion and ride it around. So I just keep throwing things at him, and then <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. There's a story that only has that really spurred this, so you have to tell the story. <laughs> I would love to hear, I please. I can't remember what story it is, but um, it's I always. Taxi. Oh, yeah, the taxi. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, you're right. See, this is why you, you're, yeah, good. So I think we were in the taxi together, right? Weren't we? And if we were, I was often somewhere else just thinking also. <laughs> thinking <laughs> about missed, something I'm, else. I missed the whole conversation. <laughs> so so Folu, Folu is, um, I, I throw a lot of ideas at him, um, but we were in this taxi for some reason in New York going somewhere, and I got into a conversation with the, the driver. Um, mm. I think he had a son or a child who had cancer, and it then came around to him saying, you know, um, that there's a cure. Mm. 
Mm. It's just that the um, individuals are like doctors and the government are holding on to the cure. And for me, that was a dagger Mm. in the heart Um, because if I, I know myself, I know the people with whom I work. And if we had the cure for cancer, we would rent a plane and mm-hmm. paper the whole United, not even just the United States, the whole globe and just say, everybody, here it is, because yeah. we've seen devastating mm-hmm. things. And so yeah. I think that just got us thinking kind of like, well, when I reminded Phil <laughs> of the conversation, because he said he was in yeah. La La Land, but it just got us thinking like, wow, so maybe we were naive. People really think that we have the cure and we're holding on to it and we're, we're not sharing it. Like where is the public getting their information mm-hmm. from, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. who are their trusted sources? Um, and so I, you know, I love podcasts, you know, fully, you know, dabbles in them as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I love mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and um, Folu loves to educate, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I said to him, I said, Folu, here, here's an answer. Here's a proposal. Why don't we start a podcast? Because it was the pandemic, of course, and everyone was starting a podcast. And I yeah, said, let's start not? a podcast um, <laughs> just to, to try and, you know, educate and inspire. That's what yeah. we, our tagline is, to educate and inspire others. Mm. And particularly when we started looking into podcasts, uh, we just talked about cancer disparities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was looking at representation, you know, mm-hmm. and I think most podcasts have an episode here and there. Uh, I give you guys a lot of credit because I saw you did a recent um, episode on cancer disparities. Um, so there are episodes here and there, um, but mm-hmm. We think people from minoritized populations, about especially Black people who are significantly impacted by cancer disparities, mm-hmm. are just not um, the, the full array of their experiences isn't there, you know, because yeah. how does being Black impact your experience? It may not be the same as, you know, someone who's white, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe mm-hmm. you has a bit more privilege in society. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we wanted to kind of share what are the experiences of people tell those stories so Mm -hmm. that maybe others can identify with um this is you know yeah I know what that's like I've gone through that that person has walked the same road as me right Um, so that was that was a bit of it yeah that's amazing we should connect we just talked to Jasmine Mm -hmm. we should connect (laughs) You both with Jasmine, who we just talked to, she'll be on the episode before you when it all comes out. But um, similarly, yeah, she created a organization to help with disparities and be an advocate. She had breast cancer um, and to actually kind of come up with solutions and start to make a difference in this world. Um, so absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious how... and me and Shannon talk about this too a lot, but like how you both kind of separate emotionally from like your patients to coming home and both of you are in this field. So yeah, I'm just very curious about that because I can only imagine how hard some days are, I'm sure. I think that's the hardest. That's the hardest because it's not just, um, it's not, you can't just dissociate Mm -hmm. yourself from it. Because when you're with someone who has cancer, you have to be there with them. You have Mm -hmm. to not just be present, but you have to feel what they're feeling, which Mm -hmm. maybe by the 60th, 70th pancreatic cancer patients I'm seeing, you you can easily become almost numb to it. Like, no, Mm -hmm. this is what's going to happen. This is is how it happens. And just kind of recite stuff you know what say. But it's that person's first time yeah. that is it affects that person it affects the whole family so you have to be there with them every mm. time but you also have to when you see someone it's not one person a day mm-hmm. you're going to see another patient you also have to be able to be kind of not be done but you have to be done with that yeah and then be ready for the next person otherwise you will not be present for the other person so it's it's tough. I 
it's hard to say what it is that makes it happen. Maybe over time, mm-hmm. I just kind of learn to compartmentalize temporarily and then mm-hmm. process or deal with it um, over mm-hmm. time. It definitely helps. For me, it helps that uh, to have a, a great family, a great supportive family, <laughs> nuclear family and extended family. That helps a lot um, mm-hmm. because that's a, that's always a positive that always lifts your spirit. Mm-hmm. Some days, yeah. Some days it's hard for it not to leak in into yeah. home. Some days where you just feel a little yeah. down, maybe mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But um, it's and I and for me it's also important to process mm-hmm. it. So I will be sad with the patient, and even if I have to compartmentalize it at that time and move on to the next patient. Maybe it's during my ride home, or maybe it's later on during the day during lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just let those emotions flow. You let that mm-hmm. sadness, you let what it is feeling. And everyone is so unique, even though the disease may be the same, mm-hmm. everyone is so unique. This person may have a daughter, this person may have two yeah. sons, and this person right. may be, they have just retired and was looking, working hard and looking forward to this, their retirement, and we hear this. And so mm-hmm. it's everyone. The fact that every situation and everyone is so unique makes it such that it can, I don't think it can ever become, um, yeah, just commonplace or just mm-hmm. routine to me. But you just process it, deal with it. And uh, it also helps to know that whatever it is I'm doing, even if I can't, in some cases you can cure it, in some cases you can't. Even you can't, you can't cure it, I'm doing something to help mm-hmm. them in some way. Mm-hmm. Whether that's even just being there for them. So that that kind of helps me say, okay, you know, yeah, that's 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 a that's a positive mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, so that's a positive thing I'm contributing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think like traditional medical teaching was you have to you know separate yourself, create some emotional distance, and I you know want to respectfully push back against that because I am in. I think in full in my practice, like he said, I don't I don't think you can take care of someone as effectively if you just see them as their cancer. I think you guys had a mm-hmm. recent guest who said mm-hmm. Olivia yeah. who said they saw mm-hmm. me as cancer yeah, instead of as right. Olivia who has cancer. So I always like to ask people, what do you like to mm-hmm. do? for fun besides coming to see doctors (laughs) yeah you know you want to get to know someone and in the process of knowing someone you're going to create emotional attachments and I don't think the the job is so much to distance yourself so that you know you don't get hurt Mm. I think it's what Folu said which is Mm -hmm. processing it so I've I've as I've gone in my career it's less about creating emotional distance um and more about restorative practices when things are really mm-hmm. tough, which mm-hmm. which it's it's normal for it to be. I, I know for myself, like when I see a lot of young patients, mm-hmm. you know, die, then that those periods tend to become difficult mm-hmm. for me. So yeah. how do I restore myself? How do I learn to take an internal reading, you know, an assessment Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're like, you're going through a rough time. Maybe you need to spend the weekend (laughs) doing something. It always helps. Like talking to, you know, Fulu, he, he gets it. Right. You know, I, I initially, when we were going to get married or when we were dating, I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, will will it be boring if he's an oncologist and I'm an oncologist? (laughs) But, um, it's it's actually been really great because he 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 gets it. He when I say this just sucked, he, mm-hmm. he knows, you know. So yeah. um finding restorative practices is the key rather than trying to create emotional distance from the beginning because I don't think you can effectively care for someone, know what their um preferences are and why they're choosing what they're choosing or choosing not mm-hmm. to do this, but to do that. I don't think you can care for them as effectively unless you you allow yourself some closeness. You know what I mean? I mean, my primary doctor was truly um, a godsend, but there were pe- people along the way and practitioners that like you can feel it as a patient when they're connecting with you yeah, versus 100%. when they are their brain is in the next room or their brain is in the last room to your point. Yeah. And it makes a difference in Mm. the sense that, I mean, just the fact that you said you take the time to 
find out what brings people joy and what they enjoy doing. Like it's such a stressful and overwhelming time that even just that question alone can probably bring them so much light and yeah. hope and reminder of like what is necessary throughout the darkness yeah. that is cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, your patients are, are very lucky to have both of you. <laughs> We're lucky mm-hmm. to know them, you know? Because a lot of times we'll ask people what their advice is to people that are going through it. And, and you both have a unique perspective because you see so many people that are going through it from so many different backgrounds that I'm curious if there's any sort of, um, yeah, kind of advice that you have in terms of folks that tend to be handling it well or um, for more of like a mental standpoint Mm -hmm. and maybe also like physical to the the treatment. But what do you see in your patients that um, you think is helpful for them? I mean, one thing I tell them is anyone, sources of stress, to eliminate mm-hmm. them because I, I firmly believe in the mind body mm-hmm. connection. So I say, Hey, if there's a significant other, if there are friends, pick up their phone call and say, Hey, I can't talk to you during this period. Mm-hmm. Doctor's orders, you know, just eliminate, minimize the sources mm-hmm. of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also tell them, you know, to celebrate, celebrate yeah. the, you know, the mm-hmm. milestones Yes, I'm supposed to do chemo. I finished chemo. Mm -hmm. Yes. Surgery. I finished surgery. Yes. You know, radiation. Mm -hmm. Just give yourself little Mm -hmm. celebrations um, because it's a grueling process. Uh, And then one of the things that actually I think COVID um, changed my practice a lot I felt like I started to notice more people struggling Mm -hmm. mentally, you know, Mm -hmm. with mental health. Mm -hmm. And so I started actively asking them, you know, are you part of a support group? Mm -hmm. Um, And then referring them, sending them emails with like, here's a support group. Um, Have you, you know, would you consider a therapist? Mm -hmm. Uh, In our, in our clinic, we actually do a depression Mm -hmm. screen. um, And it was, it was, it was there before I I arrived. So kudos yeah. to, you know, I'll shout out Brooklyn. Brooklyn <laughs> um, but they, they actually do a depression screen. And even if, you know, they score low on the depression screen, um, I, I'll say, you know, are you interested in a support group? Because I think there's something to be said for talking with people who have walked the same road that mm-hmm. you are walking. So yeah. those are the suggestions that I have for the people mm-hmm. I see. Super powerful. So what I yeah, I think that's a very good question. Some of the things I think of it it honestly my advice is honestly splits down two different pathways. Um, mm-hmm. there's people that there are people that I see that you treat with curative intent. So essentially you have a mm-hmm. chance, a fair chance to cure the cancer. And then mm-hmm. there are people that you it's not curable. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the advice varies a bit. Mm-hmm. So starting with those that it's not curable, I try to say all the unpleasant things, just do them mm-hmm. up front, get rid of them. So mm-hmm. things that are hard to think about, my will, mm-hmm. what I want to happen if I'm not able to communicate my for my health mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Just start all that stuff out up front and then focus on your treatment and enjoying every day or whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of relieves a bit of this angst that hangs over nonstop. Yeah. And right. that can really rob you of your day-to-day mm-hmm. enjoyment. So mm-hmm. you're, you're worried and thinking, oh, you know, this is you're maybe getting reminded more often that this is, I'm not going to get cured from this. This may be terminal, mm-hmm. but if you deal with all that up front, it helps you enjoy your mm-hmm. family, your things yeah. that are important to you. Only things that are important to you are what you should focus on. Like only said, you mm-hmm. cut out the stuff that's, that's going to mm-hmm. be a bother. Yeah. And that, whether it's time with grandkids or, you know, mm-hmm. trying with parents. So that's what I would say in that case. That's what I typically would say for the cases whereby it's curative, there's still a bit mm-hmm. of that, but um, it changes in that once we're done with all the treatments, I think it's hard for people to yeah. see themselves as as not mm-hmm. a patient. 
Yeah. Like you can see yourself continually as a patient. You can see yourself as almost like worried every time about, yeah. will this cancer come back? Yes, there's a yeah. higher risk than the average person. And that, if you let that worry, it's very easy to let that worry rob you of your time. So again, it's more, what do you tell yourself up front to prevent that from happening? And I think once the treatment is done, I try to remind everyone or my patients that you've done everything you're supposed to do. You've mm. done it, you know, you've done it and you have a plan in place. So maybe you're supposed to come see me every three months. We have that plan in place. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing for you to worry about. You're doing everything you want, you're going to do, just live your life. And that's mm-hmm. how it should be for everyone, right? Even if someone hasn't had cancer, there are certain things you need to be doing. And if you've done it, you just focus on living your life and not worry about, is this cancer going to come back? Mm-hmm. Is it going to... Because that yeah. just robs you of the little joys. Yeah. and well, yeah. that's, that's what I try to tell people. I acknowledge it's easier said than done. It's easier for me to say it, but it's harder for people to really yeah. analyze it and convince themselves. But I describe Folu and I as like fire and ice. Like mm. <laughs> when, when Folu was graduating from his fellowship, his, his fellowship director was like, Folu is just like, even keel and then so you know i i would probably be like oh oh what am i oh what's this but he's he's like the perfect person to just try and remind Mm -hmm. people to be calm you know just it's so hard it's easier Mm -hmm. said than done um but you have it's like a constant choice Mm -hmm. you have to make to say thoughts are creeping in you know there's a lot of power and hearing that from their doctor. I know that like I took my Mm -hmm. doctors and still do sometimes like their word as like Bible gospel that if they're telling me that, then I'm like, all right, well, if they said it, then I'm good. Like I'd go to therapy worried about X, Y, Z things. She's like, have you talked to your doctors? I'm like, great point. I'm going to remove this thought and then put it in my chart. Um, (laughs) So as much as it's yes, easier said than done, know that hearing it from you goes a long way. So (laughs) Yeah, I'm like so happy. Both of you said two like such powerful things because I've never heard a doctor tell me like or acknowledge that it's hard afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like from the doctors that I've, you know, I work with, they're my doctors. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, okay, like you're good to go. Like we'll see you in three months. And I'm like, wait, wait but like, <laughs> what? Exactly. So I think yeah. hearing you you say that and then yeah that's just like very very powerful and I know with my clients because I work with clients after they're done with treatment um to help them recover and with nutrition and all that stuff and every single one of us experiences that fear um like I have a scan coming up on Tuesday and I'm already like trying to let the thoughts not come in you know so sending good vibes you thank you (laughs) you. but yeah that's really thank you both for saying those things and the support group too is amazing because the support group I was in a support group and it was everything Mm -hmm. for me so um yeah I just like love to hear from both of you from doctors it's amazing and and I think one of the reasons like I harp on support groups or make sure to bring it up is again our focus is on you know minoritized communities especially black individuals where there's sometimes this secrecy, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about right. it a lot in so many, it's, it's not news, but because there can be this secrecy, um, you know, sometimes you're not even telling your family members, mm-hmm. but maybe you can listen in to other people and maybe you can open up and maybe, you know, that can just help you not have to carry all of mm-hmm. this alone. Right. You know, even if you're just mm-hmm. kind of a fly on the wall sitting and listening mm-hmm. to something. So, yeah. And I think that's something that the last few years has, well, I don't know what it was like before, but I know I went through treatment and finished during COVID in 2020. So any Ooh. support group that I had was all virtual. And even like the traditional right. support groups, I didn't get as much from, but a lot of the support I got was just from Instagram and social media and even if it's just like an account, a mm. podcast like this. So I think like the beauty of it is there are so many spaces and so many ways yeah. for folks to get support, even if it's not that traditional support group. But um, but yeah, it's definitely something where it's 
I, I personally had like a different experience of it when I was in the middle of it. Because sometimes when I was in the middle of it, I was like, I don't want all that. Like they're all talking about how hard it yeah. is for them. And I'm having a good day. So I'm going to stay in this good day. <laughs> but again, it's not yeah. like. Yeah, you get to choose Yeah, once bit. treatment finishes or for folks that, you know, maybe yeah. it's ongoing treatment in some way, shape and form. Like there's different people and places yeah. and spaces and, and community really is what it is, is the cancer community is uh-huh. very, community. very supportive. It's the, what do we say? The community nobody wants to be in, but once you're in, you're glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny <laughs> place. A lot of dark humor. We really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I, it really, I'm glad you brought, because I love, not, not, I wouldn't say love, but the humor I've come across and I'm just like, this is hilarious. (laughs) Like, should I be clicking like on this? (laughs) I'm kind of like, you know, this is kind of, what's that word called? I can't even remember the word, but um, one thing that came to my mind is, first of all, we love what you guys do, you know, mm-hmm. Shannon and Maddie, what you're doing with this podcast, shining a light on cancer and younger individuals, because um, sometimes you don't feel seen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think cancer is usually thought of as a disease of older individuals. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you're in a waiting room, you're the youngest person there, mm-hmm, you're, you're right. feeling out of place, or where are your communities, right? So mm-hmm. Thank you for the work that you're doing with this podcast. And then when it comes to yeah. saying, oh, I'm all right, you know, when you're young, you feel like, oh, the world is my oyster. Then here comes cancer. And you're like, oh, my body betrayed me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like, right. It is the biggest shock, you know, mm-hmm. like this is not supposed to happen. I'm young. I'm funky. Mm-hmm. I'm fresh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally. So I, I think that I don't I haven't seen any studies necessarily, but I wonder if it hits younger people even harder it's even harder for you to believe like, oh, everything is all right when it was supposed yeah. to be all right in me as this young person and it went left, mm-hmm. you know? So, right. Yeah. 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 It's so, it's so interesting. Cause yeah, I never thought I would get like maybe yeah. older or whatever, but yeah. yeah. And like, and also like most of us, our symptoms are like, not like, you don't think it's cancer. Like I have like a cough and like some chest pain, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it is really interesting. It kind of like pulls the rug out from under you and then you expect that rug to just keep getting pulled out from under you. (laughs) So dealing with that afterwards is it's very, it's an interesting journey for sure. Yeah. Because we're used to cancer being a disease of where we see more in the older people and older population, the system is just geared more towards that. So things that are more important to younger individuals, uh, things like fertility, things like having Mm -hmm. little Mm -hmm. kids and having parents that you're potentially taking care of, Mm -hmm. those are just things that the older adults that we typically have, which is still the predominant percentage of people that have cancer, that Mm -hmm. we don't deal with. So they're just not designed. The system is not designed to Mm -hmm. help. Uh, Fortunately, they're more centers that are focused on young adults that are popping up mm-hmm. in different places now the mm-hmm. centers that focus on people who have young onset cancer and um it's definitely making a big difference um yeah your podcast and getting that information that word out is making a huge difference because that's also that in this day and age that's the key way in which people get their mm-hmm. information okay. not from not, at least this yeah. population some of the younger adults it's yeah not from the news on TV, or I don't even know what news it is with right. on TV. Mm-hmm. The newspapers, if some of them mm-hmm. still exist, that's not it. So this is this is making yeah. a huge difference. So props to you. Oh, all. thank you both. It means thank a you. lot. Thank you. Yeah, and ultimate like respect and appreciation too for the both of you because to to the point before too is like, your lives are already heavy <laughs> in the sense that you're already spending so much time and energy within the cancer community, and for you to put additional yeah. energy and support in amplifying voices, specifically voices of color and those stories, like that is really, really special. So I think it's always, um, it feel, it feels nice when people that are not cancer survivors or cancer patients are doing this work. So for you all to be doctors and taking on the additional and providing that support is really special. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. This has been so amazing. And so if people want to, um, you know, connect with you guys or 
be on the Onk Talks or I know you do IG lives from time to time, where can they find you? Yeah. So we um, are on all the socials. I don't know about all of them. <laughs> I can't keep up <laughs> with them anymore. We, yeah. We, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's too many now. We're on Twitter and Instagram as the Onk Docs. So T-H-E-O-N-C-D-O-C-S. Um, our website is also the same name, www.theonkdocs.com. And, you know, we, we try to have um, episodes, um, you know, every <laughs> once in a while. And we, you're uh, busy, course, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. they're, fun, they're fun little surprises. That's always that's always our goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll also probably open up a TikTok soon. Al Force will dance. I love that. I eagerly await that. I'm not on tick. I'm not yeah. on TikTok, but that could get me on TikTok. <laughs> oh, we we'll give the people what they want. Oh, well, you, we need the TikTok dances. You know what they want. Oyi is uh, if if Oyi was not a, a doctor, she'd be a dancer, and she would That's be leading a choreography a choreography school. TikTok <laughs> makes it makes it real for all of us. We need it. We absolutely yeah. We need we need the TikTok dances, <laughs> um, and I'll put all of that in the episode description as well, so people can easily find you. Thank you. Yeah, and oh, we uh, we absolutely want to hear from people. Um, if you have a story you want to share, please reach out to us. Um, we are focusing on, you know, black individuals, those from uh, minoritized populations. Um, so please feel free to reach out. Beautiful. Yay. Thank you so, so much. This has been like, honestly, mm-hmm. so special. I'm so happy, so happy we were connected. able to do this. No, thank Same you here. guys. I Same think here. sometimes I'm like, Oh, you are we what are we doing (laughs) we feel the same (laughs) again all we need is headphones and then all of a sudden what are we doing (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys so much thank you we really appreciate it